Live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. And a great good afternoon and welcome on this uh, eighth day of the eighth month in the year 2022. August is upon us. Football season is here. And I think this past Sunday was the last Sunday we won't have NFL football for (laughs) the rest of 2022 and into 2023. So it is upon us, man. Uh, It's great to be with you. Hope everybody had a sensational weekend and off and running. We go for the next two hours. Um, We will try to inform and entertain and get you a good guest list and and uh, and have some fun along the way. My main man, James Mesh, in the producer's chair inside the game studios, which are on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037. Lafayette. We're also on 1041 in Lake Charles. We're streaming everywhere in the world on 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you happen to be in the Acadiana area, you can turn your television set on because we are simulcasting on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. Well, the LSU Tigers held their fifth practice of the preseason. Um, and we will get an update on that from Glenn West here at about the 2.30 mark. So far, everybody looks to be in good shape and in good health as compared to a year ago. Uh, so far, Jack. Besh's shin splints and Demario Tolan's recovery from a disectomy are the only uh, real injuries, and that's nothing much at all. So, so far, so good as the Tigers will go into full pads tomorrow with their first day off on Wednesday, I believe. So um, we shall we shall see how things prevail. Of course, the biggest tips, disappointment in fall camp so far, the news of Trey Bradford's departure. Um, uh, another perplexing chapter in his uh, collegiate career. No question about that. Um, the freshmen are all that and then some. Um, they look uh, they they look the part. They pass the eye test. Harold Perkins, Emory Jones, Bo Bordelon, Fitzgerald West, and of course Will Campbell so far have passed the uh, the eye test and are looking good. But you never know until you put the pads on and start going. 11 on 11, full speed to see who can and who can't. Um, the starting quarterback will not be named anytime soon. Um, so they're going to keep the competition fierce. They're going to keep it competitive. And um, we will see. We will see who takes the reign September 4th when LSU opens the season against Florida State. Michael Desimo, uh, the, the new Des era has begun for the Raging Cajuns. They got underway on Saturday. We'll, uh, we'll hear about them. There's no quarterback controversy. It's all hunky-dory, good in, in good sport and in good fashion um, because 
the two quarterbacks that are in contention uh, kind of get along with one another, and that's uh, that's good. So there's no controversy between Ben Woolridge and Chandler Fields. Fields, the sophomore who was former UL quarterback Levi Lewis's primary backup last season, and Woolridge, the junior who transferred in from Fresno State more than 18 months ago. They've grown close through competition, and uh, we, again, we will see what prevails on that one. Speaking of quarterbacks, um, Joe Burrow continues to be out of Bengals training camp action as he recovers from surgery to remove his appendix. And his father says he might be out a little bit longer. Uh, Jim Burrow, friend of our program, said on a podcast that uh, his son is getting better every day, but noted that he would be, he would hopefully be back out on the field, quote, in a few weeks, a few weeks, according to Jim, uh, quote, there's always a danger and complications for surgery like that. So Joe's just got uh, he's got to listen to his doctors and the trainers over at the facility and take it easy. He's not one to want to take to kind of take it easy, but he's got to. And it'll be best for the long run if he just makes sure he does what he's supposed to do and of course joe underwent the procedure on july 22nd after it was reported he had appendicitis um and so look i've had uh an appendectomy it's not fun but uh he'll be back and better than ever soon rather than later for sure for sure um Big story coming out of the NBA. Apparently, Kevin Durant met with the owner of the Brooklyn Nets in London and continued to reiterate his um, wanting to be traded. Um, he said, either me, it's, it, it, I guess he's drawn a line in the sand. He says, either you want me but if you want me, you got to get rid of the general manager, Sean Marks, and the head coach, Steve Nash, period. If you don't do that, trade me. If you do that, I'll think about staying. When one of the best players in the world puts out an ultimatum like that, 90% of the time, the player wins because the player is who puts – people in the seats the player is the one who performs on the court and the player who performs the best on the court gives you the best chance to win now we'll see how this drama all unfolds down the road um the alabama crimson tide was voted number one in the preseason usa today coaches poll released today with ohio state second and defending national champion georgia third uh the crimson tide received 54 first place votes from a panel of 66 major college football coaches of those 66 major college football coaches. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder exactly how many of them actually voted or how many did they hand over to their sports information director and said, you go ahead and vote for us. So um, anyway, um, so Alabama won. 
Um, Ohio State two, Georgia three, Clemson expected to bounce back was number four. The school that Brian Kelly left to come to LSU, Notre Dame was fifth. Michigan coming off its first college football playoff appearance was sixth, followed by those dreaded, hated Texas A&M Aggies at seven, Utah at eight, Oklahoma at nine, Baylor at 10. Um, <laughs> three SEC contenders in the top 10 are joined by number 21, Kentucky, number 23, Arkansas, and number 24, Ole Miss. LSU, on the other hand, will open the campaign outside the top 25 for the first time since the year 2000. Think about that. For 21 straight years, LSU's been ranked in the top 25 in the preseason USA Today coaches poll, but not so anymore. Uh, For the first time since 2000, they are on the outside looking in. Man, oh man, oh man. Um, So the SEC leads the way. Uh, with three, four, five, six teams. The ACC is next with five. The Big Ten and Big 12 have four ranked teams each. The Pac-12 has three. The American has a pair with number 22, Cincinnati, joined by number 25, Houston. Notre Dame is the lone ranked independent um, amongst the independent schools. So take it with a grain of salt. You never know. Just another bit of bulletin board material for uh, the LSU Tigers. When speaking of the LSU Tigers, they got their first five-star commitment. Sheldon Sampson Jr. committed to LSU on Saturday uh, from Catholic High, one of the preeminent wide receivers uh, in the country. And so uh, that's a that's a great get right in the backyard. And of course, he had all the big boys after him, including Alabama. Texas A&M, Florida State, Sampson 6'4", 190, uh, the highest rated of LSU's 18 current commitments for 2023. I've seen the kid play, and um, he can uh, he can go get it. He can go get it. Now, Sampson joins a, a couple of other top 10 wide receivers in Jalen Brown of Miami and Kyle Parker of Lucas, Texas. So Cortez Hankton, uh, as the wide receiver coach, has done an outstanding job with the wide receiver hall. Um, maybe Kai Preon of St. James will, will join as well. So Shelton is the fifth commitment from within Louisiana. Um We'll see about safety Kylan Jackson of Zachary, who moved his decision-making situation from today to the 13th of August. Others still in play, offensive lineman Zalance Hurd of Neville, quarterback Ricky Collins of Woodlawn. Um, And Collins did attend Samson's announcement ceremony, so that's pretty good. So now LSU's 18 commitments places that 2023 class at number seven in the 247 Sports National Composite Team rankings and number six in On3.com's consensus team ranking so again getting better all the time um 
All-American defensive end, preseason All-American defensive end, B.J. Ogjalari has been designated as the latest Tiger to wear LSU's uh, prestigious number 18 jersey. That's the number awarded each year to a player who best exemplifies character on and off the field and epitomizes what it means to be a Tiger. Ojolari is a junior from Marietta, Georgia, twice named SEC Defensive Lineman of the Week. Um, Was a no-brainer, according to all those in the know. So, um, good job for him. Of course, this number 18 tradition began back in 2003 when quarterback Matt Mock playing for Nick Saban, guided the Tigers to their first national championship since 1958. Uh, Mock, friend of our program, now a dentist in Denver and doing very, very well. So there's your headlines of the day. We're brought to you today by ShopRite, Tobacco Plus discount outlets. There are 60 of them in southern and central Louisiana. Man, if you can't shop right at ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets, I'm telling you, you just can't shop right at all. Our guest list today, Chris Roseverglue, will join us in a few minutes. We'll talk about another day of training camp for the New Orleans Saints. Glenn West after that from uh, Go247 Sports, the latest from LSU. They had a practice earlier today. We'll get an update on that. Adam Spencer will kick off our number two from Saturday down south. We'll talk about the, the coaches poll and the SEC teams that are ranked. Uh, we'll hear from uh, Dennis Allen and some others from the New Orleans Saints. And then Blake Rafino from the Are You Serious podcast in his regular 3.30 time slot here on a Monday. So our first time out is upon us. When we come back to the to the Houdat Nation, we go down to Nolens here on the Jordy Helper Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We're your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana. Jordy Holtenberg is known far and wide as the Blonde Bomber. For the perfectly feathered golden mane he rocked back in the day at LSU. Just let your soul the hair may not be as golden or as long, but Jordy is still making a name for himself. Back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And we welcome you back. Nick Vanette of the New Orleans Saints says there's a different energy about the team this year. You just feel it. So let's talk about uh, the New Orleans Saints, another day of training camp under the belt as we uh, go and visit with our good friend, uh, Chris Roseverglue, Boot Crew Media, amongst the many, many things that he does and does a great job. And he's a, a great addition to our program. And we greatly appreciate his time. Christopher, what's happening, buddy? How are you? I'm doing well, Jordy. Thank you for having me. Hope you're having a great Monday. I am having a great Monday. Did Jameis Winston have a great Monday? Is anything, uh, he twisted an ankle a little bit? What's going on with that? Yeah, so at first it came down that it was him tweaking his foot. Then people said maybe he rolled his ankle. And then the latest on that situation is that they're going back to it being a foot injury. So it doesn't seem like it's anything too major right now. He actually hurt his foot, participated a little bit more in practice before kind of leaving early. So I wouldn't say it's cause for panic just yet. Obviously not ideal. No one wants this to happen, especially with the preseason coming up. But right now it just seems like a minor foot injury. I'd imagine the Saints will have a couple more tests done just to know a little bit more. 
but for now it seems like it's just uh, him tweaking his foot. All right. Uh, these things are going to happen. If it happens now, uh, that's better than happening later. So uh, so we shall see. Uh, the Saints will open up against the Texans in the preseason. They're a, a small favorite over them. What, what have you heard so far? I, I mentioned Nick Vanette talking about there's a different energy. Um, the Saints kind of practiced out in the rain a little bit. Uh, tell me what happened today. What stood out? Yeah, I mean, part of it is is what Dennis Allen's kind of brought to the team in terms of every day. This team seems a little bit more physical. Um, when you switch over to a defensive team, I think you'll, you'll see that the intensity throughout practice, especially with the depth that these guys have had and certain players on defensive line and the secondary, how loaded they've been, it seems like every day is kind of a war, whether it's seven-on-seven drills, whether it's one-on-one drills. Uh, we've seen these cornerbacks and wide receivers kind of one day it's the wide receivers day, the next day the cornerbacks have their moments, so we've kind of seen that. But uh, today it just kind of kept that momentum going, and I think for New Orleans, uh, for a team that some people like to classify as a dome type of team, for them to play out in the rain a little bit today, kind of get their feet under them, and, and then switch into inside for the, for the remainder of practice, I think it was just another example of them kind of switching over to that tough-nosed team uh, mentality that's kind of adopted ever since Dennis Allen's been there. So I think there was nothing, um, you know, about today's practice that they stood out compared to others. It was just more so about keeping that energy going. Um, And this is a team that if people are going to look at them and think that they're just going to be that high-flying dome team that we've seen in the past that is just all finesse, they're going to be mistaken very quickly because this is a team that is coming in with a lot of energy on the defensive side of the football and We'll see even with this offense, with the way they, they've really bolstered their receiving core and the, the receivers that they've added to that group, specifically Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry being two of the more physical wideouts in the NFL. I think just, that's why you're seeing a different energy. I think you're seeing a more physical football team than we've seen in the last couple of years. I like that. Chris Rose are glue with us. Um, you mentioned Michael Thomas. He competed in 11 on 11 drills for the first time on Saturday. And from all the reports, it looks like he's riding a bicycle again, right? Didn't forget what he was all about. No, Michael Thomas has been fantastic. And I think to, you know, what should make fans even more encouraging, as good as Michael Thomas has been, the new theme over the last two practices has been him versus Paulson Adebo. It's kind of been uh, not, I would say, a rivalry, but we've seen these two guys kind of clash uh, in a good way. And, and some moments you see Michael Thomas looking like Offensive Player of the Year, Michael Thomas from 2019. And then in other moments, he's looking good, but Paulson Debo is making a big play. And you start wondering about, man, it really has that iron sharpens iron mentality in practice right now. But Michael Thomas has looked great. And the concern about him rounding off on his routes or maybe not looking as comfortable on his ankle Every single practice is seeing him get a little bit more comfortable. His, his routes are looking a little bit more crisp, a little bit more violent, which is what I love about him. He really is such a physical route runner. Yeah. And we're seeing that. We saw that today. Um, we didn't just see the short stuff today. We did see Michael Thomas also go long uh, a couple of times against Paulson and Debo as well. So I think you're seeing more and more of him. And the beauty is you're seeing him trust his ankle more. And by the time you get to week one, as long as he doesn't suffer any setbacks, you mentioned the bicycle reference. I think it'll be just that, him hopping on and him going for a cruise, and it'll be like he never left. And and what a great matchup. I think the strength of this club is the defensive secondary. No no longer do we uh, remember the days when the secondary couldn't afford any injuries. Well, um, uh, with Lattimore and Paulson Adebo, Matthew, Marcus May, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, I want to stop right there. Um, 
missed a couple of days reportedly uh, because of contract negotiation, then missed a couple of days for personal reasons. Uh, is everything cool with C, uh, CGJ? Yeah, everything's actually you know good on that front. I know that realistically, from his you know side of the situation, you'd want to get a deal done before week one. And the two sides are talking. This isn't one of those situations where they don't want to talk about it at all and they want to hold off till next year. They both discussed it, and it's going to be a matter of them kind of finding a price that's right for them. And I think with the way the market for slot cornerbacks has been, I think there is a chance for the Saints and CJ Gardner Johnson to work things out. That said. Even though that's going on, he did practice um, fully today, and Dennis Allen said he thought he looked great. So hopefully this is just a sign of things to come and kind of him handling his business on the field while the Saints taking care of him off the field. And it is possible. We've seen it before. And I remember even going back two years ago, DeMario Davis getting an extension done right yep. after well, the, it, the news dropped right after they beat the Bucks week one. But they had this contract working out, um, you know, during training camp. So it's definitely possible. I wouldn't worry about it. And, you were absolutely right. I mean, this secondary right now is playing well, and Marshawn Lattimore has missed the last couple of practices with a little bit of a hamstring pull. So we look back at this team a couple of years ago, you think, man, if Lattimore goes down, this defense is done. And Obviously, you want Lattimore in there. such an important part of this unit, but they could, in theory, afford to have him miss a couple of games because of the depth they have. So it's been such an impressive wow. unit, and guys like Paulson Debo and Gardner Johnson, they've been a big reason why haven't had the ability to say that Bradley Roby said uh, this secondary reminds him of the one he played on in Denver during the 2015 season uh, that Denver Bronco team led by its defense by the way won the Super Bowl with Peyton Manning at quarterback who couldn't throw it 10 yards but the defense certainly took care of business so that's that's always a good sign outside of a week one practice when he threw a couple of interceptions on back-to-back -back plays how would you garner the performance and your confidence level in Jameis Winston now? I'd say it's, it's much better. I think you're seeing him, similar to Michael Thomas, feeling a lot more comfortable. But the last couple of days, he's been in such command. Even today, um, I know obviously the, the foot injury is not ideal. But before that, he was four-on-four four and seven-on-seven seven drills. He was making crisp plays. And we saw over the weekend, too, a couple of deep passes to Olave, a couple of passes over the middle to Michael Thomas. Uh, there was a point where Jameis Winston, I believe, had 60 straight passes, no interceptions. So he's reached that point now in training camp where each day he looks more and more comfortable. You're seeing that experience with Pete Carmichael pay off. And at this point, it's really just a health thing. You, you feel like if he's healthy, at the very least, he'll play a solid brand of football, kind of similar to what we saw last year. But now we're seeing a couple of more explosive plays, a couple of those splash plays that you envisioned when they brought Jameis Winston in in the first place. So uh, I would say my confidence level in him has increased uh, dramatically from now compared to the first week of training camp. And that doesn't really surprise me. You know, I expected him to go through some growing pains with the knee brace on and getting used to everything. So now it's a matter of getting that foot right. If that foot is right, uh, I think he'll be just fine to continue to climb up that ladder this training camp. Chris Rose or Glue with us. Um, the running back room, Kamara, Ingram, um, I would expect they're uh, above everybody else. But the other guys in the room, Tony Jones, Dwayne Washington, undrafted rookie Abram Smith, Divine Ozigbo, and Malcolm Brown, maybe those one, two, three, four, five are vying for what could be two spots. Anybody stand out to, to you as who might be the third best running back of the group? I don't really think someone's emerged from the pack just yet. I think that the preseason games will really dictate that. I look back at last year and how 
Tony Jones Jr. was really sharp against the Ravens and then looked just as good against the Jaguars. He kind of cemented his status as, uh, you know, a guy on this roster that the Saints trust. So I kind of think this is going to be the auditions coming up the next couple of weeks um, for guys like Tony Jones Jr., guys like Abram Smith and Dwayne Washington. But if I had to guess right now, I, I feel like Abram Smith has had a few more better days uh, than Tony Jones Jr., but I really think the preseason games are going to dictate that. As for Dwayne Washington, I think he's so important on special teams that if you're the Saints, yeah. you're finding a way to keep him on the roster if you can, regardless of whether or not you think he could make an impact at running back. But I think a lot of it uh, right now, I'd say the, the slight lean is to Abram Smith, but Abram Smith's going to have to come out here in the preseason and play decently well if he, if he wants to kind of secure a spot on this roster. I think preseason, some people think it's just a tune-up but for running back. It's pretty yeah. important, especially for these guys that are on the fringe, uh, uh, on the roster bubble. So no no slight favorite yet, um, but if I had to guess, I, w- I would probably give that, that edge to Abram Smith. Okay, very good. Um, one more, uh, the defensive line. Uh, when healthy, I think is really, really good. Cam Jordan, reliable, steady, doesn't miss. But both Marcus Davenport and Peyton Turner have missed some practices, and that's been their their M.O. for their careers. Man, I just keep my fingers crossed. If they can keep those guys healthy, I think the Saints' defensive line is terrific. But can we count on that? That's the big question mark. Yeah, and I, unfortunately, I feel like it's going to be one of those questions that kind of lingers for a while, and that's because we're just going to have to go off the history of some of their players. And I'd love to sit here and say that all the positive energy that Peyton Turner's built in training camp will carry over to the regular season, and it is possible. But we do also remember that he did battle the shoulder injury. He did battle um, you know, a hip injury. We've seen him go through stuff. So, uh, you know, is he going to be healthy for all 17 games? I think that question is something – that will always sit there in the back of our minds, but there's no denying he's been really impressive in training camp. Today was another day where I thought he looked really good. So he looks impressive. Tar- uh, Taco Charlton has kind of reinforced himself as a, a depth piece to this line, and maybe a second-string unit guy that if he gets some snaps per game, we might be able to see him make a mark. Paul Granderson's another who continues to show that he could be a really good situational player. So I think the talent is all there. A lot of it, though, is going to ride on Marcus Davenport, who we're still yeah. waiting to see as a full go, just 100% consistently. That hasn't happened yet. We're still waiting for that to happen for him. And for Peyton Turner, is he past his injury bug? Is he just ready to hit the ground running just like he has for training camp? Will that carry over to week one? So I think those questions will linger. I totally agree with you. The talent is there. The depth is there, too, specifically like Granderson and, and, and Taco Charlton and what they've been able to do. Now it really comes down to the health part. So uh, I'm very yeah. eager to see that, specifically with Davenport contract year i thought he was excellent when he was healthy last year but he's right. banged up right now and he, has, he isn't at 100 percent. will he be at 100 percent for week mm. one uh these are questions that remain so that that's kind of what i'm thinking right now i'm with you all right chris rose for glue the saints open up preseason uh, uh games against uh, other opponents uh, against the texans this saturday in houston then the following week it'll be at the packers on a friday night and they'll institute a couple of practice sessions with green bay as well so we'll know a little bit more about all these players uh at that point in time uh 11 practices under their belt. Uh, they got about 10 more to practices to go, three preseason games, and then they'll start playing for keeps. It, it is here. Chris, thank you so much as always. You're terrific. Thank you so much for having me, Jordan. All right, Chris Rose for Glue, Boot Crew Media, uh, SI Now. We'll take a quick time out here, but first. 
first. The game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. The Red Hot Astros take on the Baltimore Orioles on Saturday, August 27th, and you can be there. Register in the game clubhouse to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways powered by Butcher AC, Lay Meridian, Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We'll talk Tigers with Glenn West after this timeout, the Jordy Helfrich Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Houston Astros and the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. When's the last time we've actually had a Chamber of Commerce day? Golly. Rain, rain, go away. Sheesh, unbelievable. All right, LSU football takes center stage. And with that, we welcome in uh, from Go247 Sports, the one and only Mr. Glenn West. Glenn, good afternoon, sir. How are you? Hey, Jordy, I'm doing great. How are you? All right, we had a little practice, a little earlier practice today, right? Um, yeah. But then Mike Denbrock had a chance to uh, address you guys and um, uh, answer a myriad of questions. So take me to that and tell me, uh, uh, what do you say about the quarterbacks? What Anything of particular in- interest? Yeah, so we had a nice little morning practice to kind of get everything started. You know, I think, you know, it was probably best for us to get out there in the morning considering it's been raining pretty much every yes. afternoon over here. Yes. So. Uh, yeah, it was a good opportunity to get a chance to see the team for about 30 minutes outside. Pretty toasty one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, we, we got a chance to talk with Mike Denbrock about two hours ago. And, um, you know, he essentially just told us about the quarterback battles. They don't have much of an answer yet. They have three guys or four guys that they're still working uh, equal reps with. And that's kind of what we thought kind of heading in. That would be the first week is, you know, really kind of seeing equal reps really across the board. Uh, you know, we were you know just – in kind of the couple minutes we had to watch practice today, it really looked like uh, it was Nussmeyer and Daniels taking a lot of the first team reps today. Mm. Um, you know, I think they'll they'll certainly rotate guys though mm. for this first week, and so um, it's it's just it's going to be one of those situations where you know I don't think anything's really going to become clear uh, until really the next two you know couple weeks or so. Um, one of the things that was brought up. In spring, and I think probably is continuing now, is Jaden Daniels, the footwork situation, trying yeah. to get him, um, I, I, I don't know what, his base better, maybe getting back quicker, setting up proper. I don't know. what. Uh, what's the status there? Yeah, so just just getting kind of his, his feet into a better position for him to throw more accurately is kind of the way Denbrock described it today. You know, in terms of dropbacks, you have different dropbacks for different plays, you know, whether it's a three-step drop or a five-step drop, just – making sure he's kind of have that, you know, kind of muscle memory, I guess, to know exactly where he needs his feet to go to put the ball in uh, the places where he wants it to go. And so that's been something he's been working on really since the spring, and it's kind of bled into the summer and fall as well. And so it's going to be really interesting for him, you know, just in terms of because we heard so much about his mobility and how you know fast he is and how right. much he can impact the game in that way. And now – I think we're starting to see him air it out a little bit more in fall. You, that's kind of what you hope to see um, after kind of a full off season of, of kind of tweak, you know, tinkering with it a little bit and his footwork. So, um, you know, I haven't had a chance to watch him a whole ton. I've been really focused on the defense the first couple of practices we've watched, but um, yeah, he's throwing the ball uh, a lot, a lot crisper from what everything that I've seen. Uh, what uh, what have you noticed defensively uh, since you've been kind of pinpointing your attention to them? What has stood out on that side? Yeah, I mean the cornerback the cornerback room in particular is going to be a little bit of a concern. I think you know just from yeah. terms of you know the first couple of days here we've had a chance to watch them 
there have been a lot of players banged up and kind of out of the rotation. I mean, oh, the first really? time we saw him, uh, you know, Seven Banks, the Ohio State transfer, was kind of walking off the, um, you know, to, to the side and doing stuff with trainers and got out there today. And, you know, Jarek Bernard Converse wasn't out there. Uh, Jordan Tolls wasn't out there. So there was a, a, a couple of guys, yeah, that you're really hoping to, to really key in on as part as depth for this cornerback uh, room in particular. Uh, they haven't they haven't shared the field a whole lot yet, and they need to build that camaraderie and that chemistry. And so mm-hmm. that's just one area where I think LSU is going to have to really hope those guys get healthy pretty soon. Uh, you know, Demarius McGee was another guy that kind of got hurt while we were watching on the first day of practice. And so hope you can get him back out there sooner than later as well. But, um, you know, other than that, really just kind of the the way that a lot of these guys look. I mean, these bodies, you know, I mean, it's it's pretty crazy when you get up close and personal and you look at – you know, a six foot three safety like Derek Davis, who weighs over 220 pounds and just a physical freak of nature. I mean, there's a lot of guys like that. A lot of examples like that. Watching Mason Smith up close is really entertaining. Uh, Savion Jones is a guy who I watched, you know, on the first day and, and really, you know, seems to be popping, you know, in terms of his production for fall camp. So um, I think this defense has a lot of uh, players that they can rely on in terms of starters, but I think it's just getting that depth behind them uh, in the right, you know, kind of heading in the right direction is where uh, this defense is really going to have to make its money. Uh, Glenn West, go 247 sports, five practices under their belt. Uh, I would imagine the offensive line, they're still tinkering, trying to find out uh, who's going to be. I think Will Campbell's probably entrenched at left tackle. And other than that, you got four spots that they're still trying to figure out. Yeah, lots of tinkering for sure. I mean, we've, uh, I mean, I've jotted down at least three or four different, you know, first team combinations that we've seen. Uh, rolled out there for the first day or two of camp. And, uh, you know, one of the kind of popular ones has been uh, Tremont Shorts over at left guard. They've had Garrett Dellinger practicing at center some. He's been rotating at center and guard. Uh, they've been having Miles Frazier pretty much sticking to right guard. And kind of the interesting one has been Anthony Bradford at right tackle. I mean, that's been a pretty consistent uh, rotation for LSU with the first teamers. And, yeah, he was a guy that wasn't around a whole lot in spring. He, he was trying to get himself back on the team in terms of just being, you know, kind of academically eligible and all that stuff. But, um, you know, he's back now and he seems, you know, the coaching staff has been really complimentary of kind of his footwork and kind of his uh, athleticism on the right-hand side of that offensive line. So he's been one that I think has been a little bit uh, noticeable just in terms of how quickly he's risen up the depth chart and how seriously they're considering him for a starting position. Uh, you got time. I mean, you got you got time to figure all this out. The main thing is 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 keeping people uh, healthy. Obviously, you just mentioned secondaries in a flux. Um, um, wide receivers. Um, I know Kayshawn Butte is number one. Have we? Are you seeing anything as to who's number two, who's number three, and so forth and so on? Yeah, pretty much the same mix of guys that we saw in the spring. I mean, I think that's probably good news, you know, for this receiver group just to have that consistency. A lot of Malik neighbors with the first team, a lot of Brian Thomas with the first team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack Besh, of course, in the slot has been pretty consistent as well. Um, so they're 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 going to have a, a, a you know kind of a bevy of of guys. I think they can rely on this year. I think you can certainly throw. Kyron Lacey, the ULL transfer in there, and okay. Chris Hilton, the, the the second year player out of Zachary, I think is is poised for quite a big year two jump as well. Jerry Jenkins, you can't forget about him. He's 
got the, you know, I think second most receptions on the team now in the last couple of years. And so uh, lots of, lots of, lots of bodies, lots of guys that I think they can rely on. I think it's going to be a heavy rotation of guys playing early in the season. And if they find a couple of, you know, rotations that they really like at the receiver group, then I think they're going to, they're going to stick with it. Uh, Glenn, solid improvement from the tight end position, apparently. Yeah, from uh, from where they were in the spring, apparently so. I mean, Denbrock gets a chance to work with those guys up close and personal. He's not only the the OC, but he's also the tight ends coach. And so, yeah, I mean, you, you're you're talking about Cole Taylor, uh, Mason Taylor, the true freshman, Jack Mashburn is a veteran. Um, you know, he he pretty much told us today, like they're going to dictate how much they're involved in the offense in okay. terms of just how much. Uh, they're able to pick up and how much they're able to kind of learn, I guess, over these next couple of weeks. I think that's still a position of, you know, kind of long-term future uncertainty, but you, know, you kind of have what you have at this point. And so, um, you know, I, I think Mashburn really showed you some things last year in terms of blocking that I think he can be reliable in a lot of different run schemes and run protection schemes. Um, but, you know, in terms of these guys getting involved with the passing game, we just – we haven't seen it the last two years at the tight end position. And uh, really since Eric Gilbert was here, there hasn't been a whole, a whole ton of emphasis on that. I know people you know can also point to Jack Bash, but he was more of a slot receiver right. playing tight end. He wasn't right. doing much blocking or anything like that. So, um, you know, there's, there's, there's certainly, uh, I think a lot of room for improvement for that group, but they, they seem to be comfortable with where they're at. Glenn West, go to four, seven sports. Do you get the same air of confidence listening to Mike Denbrock as you do Brian Kelly? Do you have the sense that, Hey, um, we're going to be okay on that side. I do. I mean, I, I think, you know, kind of the one of the one question I was able to get into Denbrock today is just, you know, the ideal timing of when they'd like to get the quarterback spot kind of handled. You took my and, next question from me. I yeah, like it. it. So tell, what'd he say? And so before I could even get my question out, he said today, you know, that was kind of the, the feeling that he had very sincerely that he, he hoped it would be sometime today, but that's just kind of not where they're at right now. They yeah. have a lot of things they need to work out with this group. And um, you know, that's, that's certainly going to play itself out over the next two weeks, but they're confident in a lot of the pieces that they have. And it's just, I think at this point, trying to find the, the best combinations at work heading into week one. Five practices under their belt. It's human nature. The newness is wearing off, and now it's a grind. Do you still see that same enthusiasm and energy across the board that you saw in day one? Oh, of course. I mean, that's – I think that's kind of the message that they wanted to imprint on these guys back in the spring. You know, I think they they have – you know, we, we've heard it plenty of times from, from Coach Kelly over the last several months, accountability – is a huge part of what they're doing and what their message is to these players. And part of being accountable is being present and being present with the, the, the practices, with their meetings, with their workouts. And uh, that's stuff that's been, you know, heavily preached to these players really since the spring. And I think when you have such a competitive fall, like they're expecting to have, you have to be on your A game every day because every little thing is getting dissected in these evaluations. And I think that makes you a better player, makes this team better. And we'll see exactly kind of how it all fleshes out before Florida State. But there's there's a lot of positives coming out of that program right now. Another positive over the weekend, uh, a five-star wide receiver commitment, Shelton Sampson Jr. out of Catholic High in Baton Rouge. He turned down Alabama. He turned down A&M. He turned down Florida State. Turned down a bunch of places to come to LSU. I know you had a chance to talk to him. What was, uh, what was the, the major deciding factor for him to stay home? 
Yeah, I think one of the big things that we he kind of came back to a number of times was the the social media presence. I think that played a huge role in him uh, kind of making that decision. You know, I think uh, a couple of weeks ago, the LSU staff and the coaches, the players, the recruits, you know, fans of LSU, they all got together and started you know posting that hashtag Shelton stays tweet that kind of went viral there for a, a good afternoon or so. And yeah, it was something that Samson really paid attention to. I think he was really kind of flummoxed between LSU and Florida State down the stretch. You know, his old head coach uh, at Catholic is an analyst right now at Florida State. And I think yep. there was some real uh, kind of battles back and forth of, of what he wanted to do. But, um, you know, LSU has been, you know, recruiting him heavy. And I think the amount of effort, the sheer amount of effort that LSU put into this recruitment uh, really weighed heavily on Shelton and I think kind of put him over the edge in, in making that decision. That's a big-time get. Can you imagine if he had gone to Alabama, the doom and gloom around this community and around LSU Tiger Nation would have been just off the charts. Thank goodness that that happened. It was one they had to get. I mean, they, yeah. they, like I said, they put in a lot of effort with him and with really a number of these guys. you got Ricky Collins, the quarterback from Purdue, committing on Wednesday. Kylan Jackson, a safety out of Zachary. He's committing on Saturday. They have – uh, a couple of more Louisiana guys that I think they hope to really close the deal yeah. on here in the next week or two. And it's going to be very interesting to see if they're able to do it. We'll see. All right. What happens next? LSU, do they go full pads tomorrow? Uh, so I, th- I think the plan is to go full pads tomorrow. I'm not entirely sure. We don't get a chance to see them tomorrow on the practice field, but we're going to have some player interviews on Tuesday. And then we actually get to go into Tiger Stadium on Thursday for a full scrimmage. They're showing the media a full scrimmage on Thursday. And okay. So we'll get a good opportunity to get a good chance to look at this offense and this defense and just kind of how everything's looking in the early stage of fall camp. We get three fall full practices this fall uh, when, with, with, with this team this year, and it's going to be really interesting kind of to see how these guys uh, look throughout the fall and just kind of how things change from practice to practice. But definitely a lot of lot we'll, we'll be able to learn on Thursday. I think they're due for a day off soon. I think full pads Tuesday, maybe day off Wednesday, scrimmage Thursday. When I, I say so. day off, nothing yeah. on the practice field. A lot of stuff in the film room. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah they've had they've had a good week now of, of of straight practices, and so I do think that that break is certainly coming probably on Wednesday. I think we we get them tomorrow around twelve fifteen for player interviews, and we'll have a bunch of stuff up on that. But okay. uh, yeah, it's 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 getting to be that kind of heart of the, the fall schedule for them, and they're. They're, they're, they got to start getting in that, that game one shape for sure. I'm still putting my money on Jaden Daniels as the starter. I don't know why. Right. I don't know right. why. I just got this feeling, but made the best. You brought him in for a reason. You brought him in from the portal for a reason. You thought he could give you something. So, yeah. We'll see. yeah. And the kid came for a reason. Yeah. Yep. So, yep. Uh, anyway, we'll see. Glenn West, busy man, always available for us, and we greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. Thanks, Jordy. All right, Glenn West. Go 247 Sports, the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to win excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou or a $50 gift certificate to the Acadiana Bar and Grill or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. But you can only score these great 
prizes by becoming a member of the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. Back to close up hour number one. After this timeout, the Jordy Heltberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the Houston Astros and the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. Southside High School's band and football program's third annual Shark Frenzy is this coming Saturday from 6 to 10 p.m. The money raised at the event will be used to fund the operation of both the band and the football team, which includes travel expenses, equipment, instruments, and much, much more. Attendees will enjoy dinner, drinks, music, dart games, live and silent auctions, and more dart games. Be careful. Uh, To buy tickets for Southside High School's third annual Shark Frenzy, simply visit S-H-S-SharkFrenzy.Weebly.W-E-E-B-L-Y.com. S-H-S-SharkFrenzy, all one word, dot Weebly, W-E-E-B-L-Y.com. Boy, that's hard to remember. Anyway, uh, we'll have it up on the website in case you need it, so don't, don't worry about that. Coming up, hour number two, we'll go all around the South for the first time since the year 2000. LSU not in the USA Today Top 25 coaches poll or on the outside looking in, but six SEC teams are in it. We'll talk with Adam Spencer about that. Blake Rafino will join us as well. We'll hear from the head coach of the New Orleans Saints and others. It'll be a busy second hour, so don't go anywhere. We're brought to you by ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets. If you can't shop right at ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets, dude, I'm telling you, they've got everything. You can't shop right at all if you can't. All right, we're back. Hour number two, straight ahead. The Jordy Helpert Show, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the Tigers and the Astros in southwest Louisiana. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. It's hour two of two, and away we go on this Monday, August 8th, the year 2022. Five practices under the belt for LSU, 11 practices for the New Orleans Saints um, as we get rolling along and uh, burning questions for both clubs um, and, uh, and for a lot of teams across the country. No question about that. We begin our number two by going down south, Saturday down south as it is. Our good friend Adam Spencer kind enough to join us adam how are you sir i'm doing great just uh staying busy with all these fall camps going on how are you i'm good what what uh what's the prevalent overriding factor that you're hearing following all these camps what uh what comes out to mind to you yeah it's just uh you know who's going to be that number three team in the sec basically there's uh there's plenty of competition for that i mean i think most people have alabama and georgia entrenched in those top spots but uh you know texas a&m could be number three Ole miss has a shot arkansas tennessee kentucky i mean there's a lot of questions that programs like lsu and florida so you know those two teams could surprise too so it's a it's a time for optimism you know there's plenty of uh there's plenty of hope all around the league and uh and we'll see how some of these top position battles fare 
Six SEC teams in the uh, USA Today coaches poll that was released today. And for the first time since the year 2000, 21 straight years, LSU's been in the top 25, but not the case this year. Um, why is that, do you think? There's uh, there's too many question marks there right now. They don't know who their quarterback's going to be. And, uh, yeah. you know, that's that's. So theoretically, you know, it seems right now that there's, you know, two different offensive systems in place there in Baton Rouge right now because you can't run Miles Brennan and uh and Jaden Daniels in the same offense. That'd be crazy. So are they like like I don't know, it just seems like they're spending half of their time working with an offense that's not necessarily going to be the prevalent one. Um mm-hmm. so, you know, I think that that's a big question mark that people have and uh you know, this, this Keishon Butte situation, you know, there's just a lot of weird energy with that. You know, Brian Kelly saying he can be great if he learns how to work hard or something like that. And then Butte even saying that he thought about transferring. Uh, you know, these are just weird things for such an elite player to say. So, And for a coach to say about such an elite player. So people are a bit hesitant with LSU. Okay. So I thought that they were just about right in the right spot there in the also receiving votes category. I gotcha. Okay, um, let's talk about some prevalent questions. Is anybody going to get in Alabama's way this year? I don't see it. Um, you know, I think that should Georgia and Alabama meet in Atlanta again this year, that can be a good game. But uh, you know, I don't. Considering that uh, that Texas A&M has to go to Tuscaloosa this year, I mean, I just don't necessarily see there being a repeat of uh, 2021 with with uh, Jimbo upsetting Saban. So uh, I don't think anybody gets in their way in the regular season, but, uh, you know, it's all going to come down to that offensive line because they are going to be a little bit vulnerable to its elite defensive front. So, you know, even a team like LSU could maybe make things difficult on the Alabama offense with, uh, you know, a guy like B.J. Ojolari and uh, Jacqueline Roy. You know, they they have some talent up front on that defense that uh, could make things interesting. Um, Georgia, uh, you, you hear about it. Um, only two teams have repeated as national champions in the 21st century, even with all the talent that Georgia has as an uphill climb, uh, complacency, is it Alabama? Um, what's the thing that stops Georgia's repeat? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's Alabama. It's, it's, it's losing too much talent on that defense. You know, they had, so much talent on that defense last year. Uh, you know, that was an all-time great defense. And you lose all those guys. You know, Jordan Davis is manhandling people in the in the NFL now. You know, there's that highlight of him throwing the center around like a rag doll the other day. Uh, you know, you lose a guy like that. I mean, yeah, you still have a top five potential pick in uh, Jalen Carter there to lead that defensive front. But, uh, you know, you had both of those guys last year, and that's what made it so special, you know. That, so, you know, they have – some question marks in the linebacking core, though there's still talent there. It's just they're just not going to be an all-time great defense. So I think mm-hmm. that the offense is going to have to step up, and that's going to rely pretty heavily on the health of the receiving core. You know that that group was pretty banged up last year, and yes. if they're going to take a little pressure off the defense this time around, then uh, those guys are going to have to stay on the field somehow. The weirdest storyline is always at Auburn. Do you think Brian Harson gets a third year uh, on the planes? 
I think it depends on if he can hit eight wins or not. You hit uh, you hit that eight win mark, and maybe uh, you know you've shown that you're building um, something positive there. But uh, if he goes 500 or worse again, then uh, you know I think we could have another power struggle play out, just like we had this year, and then uh, this past off season. I mean, and then uh, and then you know, are the boosters gonna really let themselves be bested a second time? I I wouldn't think so. So you know. It's all about what? getting to that eight win mark, though, because I mean that's uh, that's going to be important to keep fans on his side. How crazy would it be? What if he goes six and six, but somehow miraculously upsets Alabama in the in the Iron Bowl? Does that give him another year? I think we have to look. Uh, you know, that was uh, sort of an interesting case study with. Uh, Texas A&M last year, you know, they upset Alabama, but they lose four games in the regular season and finish eight and four. It's like, well, yeah. it, it just, it just leaves such an empty feeling when you beat Alabama, but like, it's like, wow, we could beat one of the top two teams in the country, but so why are we losing these other games? You know, it's, it's sort of, it's great to beat Alabama, but uh, you know, it sort of leaves a question mark in your, in the mouths of your fan bases, because it's like, what, what, why couldn't we win all of our games if we can beat Alabama? And so yeah, then they start to right. question what uh, what went wrong with the consistency there. <laughs> I'm really curious about the the Spencer Rattler story at South Carolina. It's hard to be the quarterback at Oklahoma when you've had Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, and the numbers they put up at quarterback. Um, I, I, do you think he's got some un? unjust criticism, but maybe Shane Beamer and the reunion of the two really shines a light on this kid. I'm expecting a pretty good year out of him. Yeah, I'd be surprised if he didn't bounce back in a big way this year. I mean, he struggled last year, but the only reason that he was benched was that Caleb Williams was the guy backing him up. Like any other backup quarterback in the country, I, I think that he gets a chance to work through his struggles and probably finishes the year pretty well. Like, I, I don't know. It's just when you have a guy like uh, Caleb Williams, who's coming into this season as you know, a potential Heisman winner. It, yeah. I mean, that's why he lost his job. He lost his job to a better quarterback, but that doesn't mean, you know, there was, it was, you know, that situation with, with uh, Tua and Jalen hurts. It's like, it's like, yeah, Jalen lost his job to Tua, but like they can both still be top, 10 quarterbacks in college football. And, uh, you know, I think that that's the ceiling for Spencer Rattler is to get back into that conversation and say, Hey, maybe I'm like slightly worse than Caleb Williams, but I'm still a pretty darn good quarterback with a really, really strong arm too. Uh, Adam Spencer, Saturday down South. Kyler Murray won the Heisman, uh, beating out Tua Tagovailoa in 2018. Then all of a sudden you had Joe Burrow in 19 from LSU. Devontae Smith, Alabama in 2020. Bryce Young in 2021. Does Young join Archie Griffin and be the second repeat Heisman Trophy winner? Are you um, putting odds on that one? I I think it's going to be really difficult. You know, I think that uh, I think that there is bias against giving the Heisman twice, and the you know the the reason is you have to really put up different numbers. Like, yeah. like you have to take that next step. And uh, you know, Bryce Young he doesn't have Jamison Williams. I mean, Tyler Harrell has that sort of game changing speed, but uh, you know he 
he's uh, been a little bit banged up in fall camp so far. And if he, you know, with these speed guys, if you've got like a, you're nursing a little knee thing or you're nursing a sore hammy or something like that, that can really affect your elite speed. So, you know, he, he's got that potential. Jermaine Burton can be a John Mechie type, I believe, but uh, you know, those guys are going to have to step up and uh, you know, maybe the way that Bryce, if he's going to win it again, maybe he has to score, you know, 10 or 12 touchdowns with his legs too and show that he, uh, he can impact a game in that way more than we've seen. And, um, so, you know, we'll see if he can do that this fall. If he doesn't, you know, no conference has ever produced four consecutive Heisman Trophy winners. Is there, and I know Will Anderson, um, you know, was snubbed in 21 after his season, but it's, boy, it's hard for a defensive player to get that to get that call. Is there another offensive player that you could see as a Heisman Trophy candidate from the SEC? Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, Hendon Hooker is a guy who can – work his way into that conversation. I mean, he has a cannon for an arm. He had a 31 to three interception or touchdown to interception ratio last year. He ran for like 700 yards or something like that and some touchdowns. So he's a guy that I, I really like. He's got his, you know, same offensive system coming back. He has Cedric Tillman coming back. So he has Jabari small in the backfield. So, you know, I, I like, I like him and hooker as a dark horse and uh, Anthony Richardson too. I mean, if he, if he can stay healthy all year and play at a high level, you know, he's a guy who we've seen the talent in small doses there. So if he can parlay that over the course of an entire season, then I mean that Florida offense is going to be a lot of fun to watch. I wonder what kind of season Lane Kiffin, you know, they, they, they're calling him the portal King. Um, what, what kind of season do you think he's used the system to rebuild a roster that had a ton of turnover? Uh, you got a bunch of offensive skill player uh, players as additions. Um, do you see success for Ole Miss? Yeah, I mean, I think that they're one of the more intriguing teams to try to project. I mean, I think that they can finish anywhere from sixth in the SEC West to second in the SEC West. I mean, this is still a team with enough talent that the ceiling is 10 wins again. Uh, you know, if Jackson Dart can take a step forward or if Luke Altmeyer proves that he's that guy, you know, they have, if one of those quarterbacks can step up, then, uh, you know, if Jonathan Mingo can stay healthy, cause he's a dynamic receiver. If, if he can stay healthy and then uh, Jordan Watkins, they got from Louisville. Um, and then I really like that, that backfield duo that they brought in Zach Evans from TCU and uh, Ulysses Bentley from SMU. I mean, those guys are, going to be they're going to open some eyes this year um i think that that has the be- a chance to be the best backfield tandem in the entire sec and then you add in some defensive improvements too and uh even with the loss of both coordinators which is big i mean that's a big loss but uh even with that you know there's uh there's some potential for for uh some major some major uh win totals in in oxford this year uh, Adam Spencer, we, we talked about Brian Harson. Does he get a year three? And you mentioned he better get to eight wins or he won't. Is there any other SEC coach besides Brian Harson that might come under fire? The only other one that I can think of, and, and you know, this is, I thought that nobody was going to get fired last offseason. And then, you know, the Coach O and Dan Mullen situation sort of imploded. So, you know, I, anything can happen in this league. It's crazy. Um, but the, the, uh, 
the only other situation that I would keep an eye on is if things just go completely south in Starkville, maybe we hear some rumblings about Mike Leach. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Um, but he would be the other one that I would keep my eye on. Just And, and I, I don't think that things will go south in in Starkville. I think the Mississippi State's going to be a solid middle-of-the-pack um, SEC team this year, and I think that'll be enough for him to keep his job. But we'll see. Crazier things have happened. Crazier things have happened. One more, um, and I, I don't know. Uh, he 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 came to LSU, um, and he he was the highest regarded tight end in the history of high school football. He came to LSU in 2020. He left, and he's had troubles academically. He's had troubles all over the place, and now he's in Georgia, and he's in the most crowded tight end room in the country with Brock Bowers back after an All-American season as a true freshman. What did we expect from Marie Gilbert? Yeah, I mean... (laughs) Your guess is as good as mine on that one because, uh, you know, we've seen the talent. He flashed it at LSU his freshman year, but uh, haven't seen much of him since then. So, you know, he's basically had like two years off um, from playing much football. So it's really going to be interesting to see if he can make an immediate impact. I mean, the talent's there. Um, he's got to see. I mean, obviously Brock Bowers is the guy, and obviously they have a lot of depth there in that tight end room. Um, but Todd Munkin, he showed he'll use his tight ends over and over again, and Stetson Bennett's uh, coming back for another year in that offense. So there, there's going to be opportunities there, and it'll be interesting to see because he has the talent to be the second-best tight end on that roster and uh, you know a really more dynamic outside pass catcher than Brock Bowers might be just because um, you know Gilbert was training at wide receiver there for a little bit. So he, he's a big question mark, but he's, he's got the talent and he's in a good stable system there at Georgia. Um, one last one. I fibbed. Can the SEC put two teams in the playoff again? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, if Georgia and Alabama both make it to Atlanta with unblemished records, which I mean, all they'll be, they'll both be favored in every game. I think Alabama is projected to be favored by double digits in every game that it plays. So if they can both navigate that regular season and it, it won't be easy, the iron bowl, the iron bowl is always crazy. Uh, Texas A&M yeah. will be motivated to take down Alabama again. Georgia faces some, you know, we'll see if, uh, if the Tennessee offense can take advantage of a, a less than generational Georgia defense. Um, but if both those teams make it to Atlanta with perfect records, then I would say both of them get into the field of four again, especially when we saw last year, like, hey, these two teams were better than the other two teams that the rest of the country had to offer. So, you know, we'll see. Adam Spencer's the best from Saturday down south, whether it's football or basketball, whatever. He's always on top of it. Thank you, man. It's always fun talking with you. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me. You're the best. Adam Spencer, Saturday down south. The game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. The Red Hot Houston Astros take on the Baltimore Orioles on Saturday, August 27th, and you can be there. Register in the game clubhouse to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations. That's Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Lay Meridian, Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We'll hear from the New Orleans Saints after this time out. The Jordy Helpert Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Astros and the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. 
time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. August 8th, 1984. American Carl Lewis wins his third gold medal of the Los Angeles Olympics, joining Kirk Baptiste and Thomas Jefferson in an American sweep of the 200-meter relay. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And we're back 23 minutes after the hour. Sad, sad note. Um, Actress Olivia Newton-John, the pop singer and the star of Grease, has passed away at the age of 73 from breast cancer. Um, What a tremendous um, singer, actress. She was great. So uh, rest in peace, Olivia Newton-John. Boy, she was great in Grease. Great and great. All right. Um, New Orleans Saints, Dennis Allen, 11 practices under their belt. Um, uh, caught up with the media. And uh, one of the questions asked to him was, all right, you've got two weeks under your belt. What are your thoughts about your team after the first two weeks? Overall thoughts are we still have a long way to go. There's a lot of things that we have to get better at. There's still a ton of evaluation that has to take place. We're making progress, which is a positive. But, man, we, we, we still have a long way to go before we start you know, trying to come up with a real evaluation of exactly who we are getting into this season. But I like the way our guys are competing. All right. Uh, I believe the strength of this defense is the secondary and the fact that you you don't worry about a player going out because there's quality depth and there's versatility. Here's Dennis Allen talking specifically about the versatility of his secondary. Yeah, I think it's been I think it's been good up to this point. You know, I think there is a lot of versatility in the guys that we've seen. We've seen P.J. Williams playing back there. We've seen Marcus May playing back there. We've seen Justin Evans playing back there. You know, obviously J.T. Gray, Daniel Sorensen, you know, now Tyron Matthews back. Like, there's a lot of guys there that bring something to the table. And so it's an interesting competition that we have. And I think all of them have stepped up to the plate to this point. Secondary is aided, of course, by the pressure that the defensive line can put on affecting the quarterback and limiting um, big plays in the running game. Here's Dennis Allen talking about another strength on his defense, and that's the defensive line. I think the D-line can be extremely good. I think we have a lot of depth. I think we have a lot of versatility, things that things guys can do. Like, there's different things that a lot of guys can do. And so we got talented players they work extremely hard, and they're very well coached. And when you have those three elements, I think you have a chance to have a pretty good unit. Um, interested in the rookie, Alante Taylor. Um, big, strong safety. Can't wait till the pads come on because he said that's when I, there's not going to be a harder-hitting player come out of this draft than me. Well, here's his head coach on the Tennessee Volunteer, Alante Taylor. I don't want to get into – you know, relative to what we thought or whatever, I, what I will say is I, I feel like he's doing a really good job out here. I'm, I'm highly impressed with where he is mentally. I already knew the physical aspect was there. I'm highly impressed with where he's at mentally, and I'm highly impressed with the way he's going out and attacking every single day and competing out here every single day. So I think that's a quality of our football team that you see out here. Our guys are, our guys are practicing hard. Our guys are competing. And that's the only way you get better is to practice with that type of tempo and that type of intensity. So it's been good to see. 
All right. Another player that's turned head so far until he got hurt and missed a couple of practices is on the defensive line, and that's Peyton Turner, a former number one pick. Uh, Dennis Allen on his thoughts on what he's liked about Peyton Turner so far. Do I see growth? Yes. Is there still a ton of room for improvement? Absolutely. Look, we don't have a lot of conversations about that. I just really want these guys to come in every day and, and grind and, and just work. And the results always take care of themselves if you work the right way. Ryan Nielsen is a co-defensive coordinator with Chris Richard. Um, he's a defensive line coach, but as the D coordinator, he's looking at everything. Uh, and the name, the Honey Badger was brought up, missed the first week, but he's back in the flow now. Here's Ryan Nielsen talking about Tyron Matthew. Oh, he's done great. You know, we, you know, we're just going through the the proper progression, getting right back to play. But he's all in. He's a really smart player. You can see him kind of getting in our defense and, and really understanding where he fits in and, and where he can make plays. So uh, he's doing a great job. I'm, I'm so fired up he's here. Uh, he's, he is awesome. Ball of energy. I mean, he is, he's all in. So really very happy to have him there. Very unusual to have co-defensive coordinators. Nielsen was asked, how, what's it like sharing the role with Chris Richard? Well, I've known Chris for a long time, and he's a fantastic person and a fantastic coach. And so that makes it easy. And so, you know, I'll bounce a lot of things off of him. He's had a lot of success doing it already. And so it's a smooth, it's been easy. He's had a lot of input and a lot of insight in what we're doing. And I'm, I'm happy he's here. I'm appreciative that he's here. And he comes to work every day and he brings a, a perspective of, you know, just getting better, you know, and that's awesome. All right. One player, Peyton Turner, um, has been uh, compared by one of his teammates, David Anyamata, saying he is Marcus Davenport 2.0. Peyton Turner, what do you think about that? Marcus is a great player. O's a great player. We just got a great D-line, great chemistry. So I'm really excited. But, yeah, when I'm around Marcus, it's really nice to – he's been around for a while. so And he's learned from this and learned from uh, Cam. So just – being able to talk to both of them, all of them really about the same things uh, and just get different takes from them is uh, unique and beneficial for me. All right, there's some of the Saints' sound of uh, of today as training camp is is uh, in full fledged flow. They'll they'll get to play somebody besides themselves Saturday when they uh, travel to Houston and uh, battle with the Texans. So that'll be a big change of pace for uh, the New Orleans Saints. South Saoy, the Arnoville Volunteer Fire Department is hosting a black pot cook-off. On Saturday, September 10th, the cooking begins at 8 a.m. and the eating will start at noon at the Flower Auditorium in Arnoville. There'll be plenty of live music. There'll be plenty of fun. For more information, visit www.arnovillefire.org. That's A-R-N-A-U-D-V-I-L-L-E, fire, F-I-R-E, dot org. The Black Pot cook-off that just sounds good all right we'll take a quick time out here this is the jordy helper show on the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles when we um when we come back uh blake Rafino, the are you serious podcast more tiger talk here stay with us 
Great news, my sports-loving friend. No more aimlessly searching for sports talk love by swiping left or right. That's because you've already found the perfect match. For sports talk love, that is... Now, back to the only lover you'll ever need. The game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 35 minutes after the hour on this Monday, August the 8th um, of the year 2022. Five LSU practices in the books. They move practice down earlier in the day because it always rains in the afternoon. They want to get some outside work in. Uh, Blake Rafino from the RU Serious podcast, kind enough to join us yet again on a Monday afternoon. Blake, what's happening, buddy? How are you? Doing good, Jordy. How about you? I'm terrific. I'm a, I'm, what would you like to talk about today? What are you hearing? What have you seen? What's the scuttlebutt in Tigertown? Yeah, I think the biggest thing today, uh, probably the biggest scuttlebutt, is when the team went to team drills today and Mike Denbrock yelled for first team. Obviously, all eyes were peeled on, at, at quarterback, in which it was Jaden Daniels that mm-hmm. ran out first. Uh, Jordy, they're going back and forth with him and Garrett. Um, so I, I think that that kind of got people a little bit of a gasp. You know, we talked about this last weekend. It was a lot of the same thing. But, you know, when you don't I, – I don't want to say have the experience of being around a practice. Maybe you, some got confused. But uh, when Denbrock yelled out first team, it was, in fact, number five, Jaden Daniels. You mentioned Garrett Nussmeyer. Is this telling me that uh, it's a two-horse race and Miles Brennan's on the outside looking in? Yeah, I mean, that's what it would seem. You know, Jordan, we've seen two days where they've, you know, split the reps up with, between Garrett and Jaden, um, the person that they hadn't um, split the reps with, has been Miles. He has been running all with the third team. So take it for what you will. Um, we've still got a long way to go, but, yeah. uh, Jordy, you can't deny. Um, I mean, they, they can't – Jordy, there's just some things you can't hide. That's that's yeah. one of them. Blake Rafino, are you still there? Yeah, Jordy, can you hear me? Uh, yeah, now I got you, buddy. Now I got you. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, some things you just can't hide. I understand completely. Um, and uh, we will – we will see. I asked someone earlier, um, you, you listen to Brian Kelly, you observe him, and, and you just feel good. You feel an air of confidence about that. Do you have the same feeling with Coach Denbrock running the offensive show? Yeah, and I really feel that about the entire offensive staff. You know, uh, day one of practice, Brian Kelly kind of got after Keyshawn Booty on how to run around. I said, get on, but uh, teaching him how to run – a specific route on an RPO, getting out quicker into the slant so it's not as long developed. Um, so I, I, I do feel that way. I think that, you know, Denbrock knows his system. It's his system. It's mm-hmm. his offense, and he's not trying to run somebody else's. He's going to do what he wants to do and run his offense based off of what's given to him. So, so yeah, Jordy, I, I, I do feel um, – pretty confident about what I've seen through two days. A lot more crisp. And, and Jordy, really and truthfully, um, I, I would make the arguments it's just as crisp as, as 19. 
Uh, but it was Chris because of Brady and, and Burrow and, and Ensminger. Uh, but the defense was never really that crisp. But they're they're pretty crisp at times. Now, I, I will say there are some concerns for me on drop passes. Um, I think that they get they need to pick that up. I think hmm. they need to lock in a little bit more focus. And I think Brian Kelly let the wide receivers have it today. Okay, uh, Blake Rafino with us. I continue to believe in my heart. I'm not as worried about the offensive line as I am, and I continue to harp on this, and I hear there's several players that are injured and not participating, and that's the defensive secondary. That's the biggest alarm to me. When I say that, what's your response? Thought seven banks looked really good today, I, but Jordy, I, they're keeping some guys out on a pitch count. Um, kind of getting their conditioning back. You know, Seven Banks had the hip, and Bernard Converse had the, the foot. Uh, I, I was told a little bit precautionary, so we'll see. You know, okay. Jack Vesh has uh, had shin splints. Um, so as far as an injury report, I think that the first, you know, seven practices, the first week of practice, they're going to just – they're not going to let these guys – if it's something small or nagging yeah. – they're going to let them do it. But I will tell you, if you're injured, you're not missing practice. You better be out there. Um, so I did sure. I did find that interesting um, that, you know, in the past, Marucci would have the guys doing treatment. That ain't That's not happening right now. I don't feel you can learn just as much by watching as by playing, and I'm in full That's agreement right. uh, of that. Blake Rafino, the Are You Serious podcast. Um, you're not concerned about the secondary? You feel good about them? Uh, I, I want to see him Thursday in the scrimmage, Jordy, uh, yeah. because the truth is if you're running a lot of zone coverage, which they probably will, Maybe not. You know, if this was a man-to-man based defense, yeah, I'd be pretty damn concerned. Uh, but since it's not, and, and and look, you know, if you can get home with four guys, and with this defensive line being what we think that they can be, then if the D line is what we think that it will be, um, then no, I, I think that you know they can play. You know, because after the scheme a season ago, Jordy, this defensive secondary got a lot better but you're replacing a lot so um let's see you know i i still kind of want to see it a little bit more yeah. i know that that's a cop out i just you know no. I, no. Okay. you know there's a lot of there's a lot of experience there there's over 65 70 starts on that in, in that db room for the right. stars actually jordy you're they're on honestly believe it or not close to pushing 100 of total starts in that starting secondary as a collective <laughs> unit Okay, Blake Rafina, the Are You Serious podcast, LSU for the first time since the year 2000, not in the USA Today Coach's Top 25 poll. You can take that with every grain of salt that you want. People don't believe in LSU, uh, but they'll be able to prove it themselves on the field starting uh, September 4th against Florida State. Um I think of the freshmen, the rookies, and I, I know Will Campbell seems to be entrenched as a true freshman at left tackle. Um, what about the other freshmen? Anybody standing out or looks the part to you? Yeah, Harold Perkins, the five-star out of Texas, definitely looks the part. Um, he, I mean, look, he, the, you know, he, some of these drills, Jordy, I don't think that he's ever gone through. And, and actually the second, third, fourth rep, he's as crisp as they come. 
Um, you know, in coverage, he, he looked good. You know, there was a play that they ran offensively that was supposed that he wasn't supposed to be there, and it's supposed to be, you know, a, a teaching moment. They're, they're calling plays because the guy will be there, and he just read it and ran about 20 yards down the field or, or across the field and broke the pass up. Uh, and, and so you got to, you know, it, it's one of those things when you look at Harold Perkins and, and you say to yourself, you know, I, I don't know. How, I don't know if I could say it on the radio airways, but you know, you sit there and you say, "Goodness gracious!" You know, like no wonder why he was and, and is the way that he is, and highly recruited the way that he was, and highly rated the way that he was. So he definitely stood out to me. Okay, Blake Rafino, the Are You Serious podcast. You mentioned when they when they called for the first team offense, and Jaden Daniels ran out there. The offensive line, I'm told, was left tackle Will Campbell, left guard Tremont Shorts, center Garrett Dellinger, right guard Miles Frazier, right tackle Anthony Bradford. Do you believe that that sticks and stays, or do you think there's still a heck of a lot of competition left? Still a lot of a lot of competition, especially at center. I thought Marlon Martinez, who started day one, could get a a, a pretty fair shake at this. Jordy, uh, I thought Anthony Bradford, from a physical standpoint, I would say looked a lot better. Jordy looks like he dropped about thirty five pounds when we mm. saw him. Um, he looks good. Still, I mean, still a big man, still a big dude, uh, but you could tell he really put in some work this off season. I think it saves. I think that this is your offensive line unless something changes. Um, let's see what they do at center. I don't think that they have have him yet. Okay. I, I think what it will tell you is they're trying to work in three guys, and basically they're telling all three of them, let the best man win because that's the starting position. Yep. Um, Cardinal, Charles Turner was the guy that started on the first day. Uh, so they're mixing and matching and trying to figure it figure it all out. Um, off well, the and field- I, I'll tell you this, Jordy. On day yeah. one, Charles Turner had a bad snap. He got pulled and didn't come back. So they're okay. not. There's no real leeway at that position. They're they're pretty. They're getting pretty strict on on who's going to be their center. All right, um, Blake. Over the weekend, uh, a great another recruiting coup. The first five star and the highest rated player now in the 2023 um, recruiting class, uh, right in the backyard of Catholic High, Sheldon Sampson Jr. Um, I've seen this kid mm-hmm. play. I, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you right here, right now. I will be shocked if he's not a day. You know, Butte is going to leave after the season. I'll be shocked if he's not a day one starter. I think he's that good. Well, he certainly could be. Uh, he has the talent. You know, I, I, my thing is, Jordy, unless this is baseball or basketball, I don't like making that claim for football. That's just my, uh, you know, this a, you know, a thing of mine. Can yep. he? Yeah. Will he? Probably. He's that good. So I don't disagree with you. Um, special, special young man. All right. Um, a couple of more Louisiana kids that are out there. What is to tell me what's happened with the quarterback at Woodlawn? And um, he he was committed to Purdue. Why why all of a sudden did LSU get so interested in him and he in them? Well, I think that they went about their quarterback. Um, recruiting and then you know some some pieces fell and they never stopped recruiting them and they just continue to push on i was told at the bayou splash however uh that brian kelly got to sit down with him one-on-one meeting ricky collins 
Mm-hmm. And pretty much, I don't, well, look, we don't know yet because he hasn't committed. I was going to say closing, but put the, you know, put the pedal to the metal and, you know, actions speak louder than words. And the young man is decommitted and obviously trending LSU. And, you know, one thing that we, we can say about Brian Kelly has been he's had some pretty, not great, but really solid quarterbacks in his tenure. About to get another one, I believe, this upcoming Wednesday. Okay. Um, here's one kid I want to see. I, I got to see it. I've read about him. I've heard about him. Um, a, a five-star out of Washington, D.C., uh, Nichols Harbor II, um, 6'5", mm-hmm. 235. He finished first in the 200 meters at the AAU National Champion Junior Olympics at a time of 20.96 and then ran the 100 uh, in 10.22, Um Wants to play mm-hmm. football and run track. Um, here's what I say. LSU has a need at the tight end position. Uh, Nick Harbor, come start day one and be our tight end and run fast. Wow. Yeah, and LSU sits in a really good place with him because of, you know, they, they I think, what, two years ago or last year, they won a national title in track. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's going to be one of those guys, Jordy. I mean, he, let's put it into perspective. He runs faster than anybody on LSU's campus right now in a 100-meter dash, Chris Hilton included. Yep. That, I mean, and, and by the way, he's going to play tight end yeah, or D he, end, whichever, yeah. whichever one. So. Uh, they sit in a good place with him. I, I, you got to give Jamar Kane a lot of credit here. Um, has the relationship, and Jamar Kane has become the national guy so far on this recruiting in this recruiting class of going and getting them. Jordy, I will tell you this: if, if, if LSU ends this class with Lance Hurd, Ricky Collins, Kylan Jackson, and Nicholas Harbor, Ooh. somebody's going to have to start answering the question of can Brian Kelly really recruit? <laughs> because Jordy, then you're start then you're starting to talk about not only a top five class, you're talking about a top three class. Easily, um, Harbor has LSU, Georgia, Maya, uh, Maryland, Miami, Michigan, South Carolina, and USC as his uh, top seven. So, so we shall see. Now, uh, they put on pads for the first time tomorrow, don't they? If I'm not mistaken, they will be full pads tomorrow. Yes. Full pads tomorrow, and you get to watch a full scrimmage on Thursday. What? Uh, yep, we will. Um, we will be there. What do you anticipate? What do you look forward to seeing? Want to see? I mean, Jordy, I just want to see it all. Really, who stands out? Who can get yep. the plays in? Who runs the offense? What does the defense look like? How much zone they're running? Because Jordy, they can't hide it anymore. You know, they can hide it in the spring. They can't hide it right now. Now. I do believe that they'll run their base core of plays, yeah. right? Like meaning we're, we're getting the, the zone reads, the quick hitches, the quick slants, the, the goes, the verticals, and everything like that. But they can't hide it anymore. I want to see what kind of, what Matt House draws up. I want to see the offensive line. I just want to see him run the football, and I want to see the quarterback. So it's going to be – it's going to be – look, I, I tell you what, um, you know, kudos to Brian Kelly because, Jordan, the truth is, what they're going to run this Thursday, you're not going to be able to articulate in a show or a write-up or anything like that. You're not going to, you know, so what they ran a hitch in trips rights. So does everybody. That's, yeah. You know, Alabama already has that in the scouting report, okay? Like, this isn't anything new. So, I, I, 
you know, to me, I, I, it's going to be big. When I see, Jory, it's coming down to two young men. It's coming down to Jaden. It's coming down to Garrett at, at the current moment. Um, let's see. Let's let the best man win. Yeah, let's see. All right, the best man. Are you serious? Is Blake Rafino uh, on a Monday with us? We're greatly appreciative. Uh, now get back to work, man. Thank you. Thank you, Jordy. Go Tigers. <laughs> All right, you take care. Uh, we'll take our final time out. We'll come back and um, a little birthday wish and um, more as we wrap up this Monday edition of the Jordy Helford Show here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Houston Astros and the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. And we're back finishing touches to this Monday edition. Um, our, our thanks to Chris Rosevaglue with the very latest on the Saints. Jameis Winston kind of rolled, twisted his ankle a little bit, should be fine. Glenn West with everything going on in Tigertown. Adam Spencer's. We went around the SEC and all the expectations for another great season in the league where it just means more. We heard from Dennis Allen of the Saints uh, and of Blake Rafino from the R you serious podcast if today august 8th is your birthday well happy birthday from all of us to all of you many consider him the greatest to ever pick up a racket there's others that say no this guy's better but uh, roger federer certainly up there at the very top of the top of the list and roger turns 41 years old i hope we get to see him play he's gotten injured uh i hope we get to see him play again he is as graceful on the tennis court as you have ever ever seen so happy birthday to roger federer uh james thank you so much uh for all you do great job in getting all that sound for us i greatly appreciate it thanks to all of you for listening in in whatever form or fashion that you do we're on the radio 1037 fm 1041 fm we're uh on the internet 1037thegame.com 1041thegame.com and in acadiana we're on television as we're simulcast on stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. So thank you. A myriad of ways to join us, and we appreciate you doing that. And of course, to our partners like ShopRite, Tobacco Plus, Discount Outlets, um, we thank you because we could not do it without you. Tomorrow, more on the Tigers, more on the Cajuns, more on the Saints. We're in full football mode from now till, golly, and, and we're thankful for it. We are, we are very thankful for it. So come on back tomorrow, same time, two to four, same great stations, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Until then, I'm Jordy Helper. Stay thirsty, my friends. Do everything you can. Health is the most important thing. So stay healthy. Let's be kind to one another, and let's be happy. So long, everybody.